This is a GRDC podcast. While many grain growers include a legume in their crop rotations, not everyone considers faba beans as the pulse of choice. Hello, I'm Tony Crowley. In this podcast, you'll hear why one grain grower has been including faba beans in his farming system for most of his working life. Other legumes will deliver higher returns than faba beans most seasons, although in 2018, faba beans returned around $1,000 a tonne, but that was a bit of a one-off. Still, when you farm in Western Australia's Esperance Port Zone region and have good rainfall, faba beans can be much more than just a cash crop. Deb Bishop spoke to Neil Wandell about his ongoing commitment to faba beans. Uh, we've been growing faba beans now in Esperance for 40 years. Uh, first year we come across, actually, and... Um, we just find they've been very successful in the rotation and being good for the soil and and everything. And we've had you know we've had issues like everyone else with them in the past. You know initially a lot of diseases and we had some failures, but now with the newer varieties and the understanding the fungicides, they're becoming a very reliable crop for us. So how do they fit exactly into your rotation and your system? Uh, well, we're in a continuous cropping situation now, so we put. Uh, a legume every fifth year, fourth or fifth year. Um, and some of our heavier country will grow faba beans every fifth year, but normally we'll grow faba beans in the next rotation, either peas or lentils, mainly peas or some vetches. Um, but we're finding that the wheat crops behind the faba beans have been uh, uh, usually always the best. Um, and, you know, part of it's, I think, down to some paralanthus control and a bit of everything, but uh, they're just a pretty rugged plant now, and they seem to ha- adapt to the season. They like it wet, they can handle the moisture, but they've also been surprising how well they've been forming in some of these dry years. So you're saying that the, the response in wheat crops is particularly good. What kind of yields are we talking about there? Uh, I would say we're probably averaging four to four and a half wheat behind canola, which is a, like a typical rotation here, wheat canola, wheat canola, or perhaps barley thrown in. but. Uh, we've been consistently getting a tonne, tonne and a half better yield behind our favour beans. You say they like water, yet uh, across Australia, clearly that is an issue. Uh, do you, are you still as much of a fan of favour beans when conditions are drier? Uh, well, we're finding them going north from here down into 300 mil rainfall. They're still performing reasonably well, um, um, surprisingly. probably, And they're probably is more frost tolerant than the field peas. So people are growing them you know, 20 or 30 k's north of here now, which is 60 or 70 mils of rainfall less than here and doing quite well out of them. So you would probably be considered as one of the pioneers in WA for faba beans. Are you surprised how long it's taken for others to hook onto the idea and, and to see the benefits that clearly you've been experiencing you know, with some, some downs and some ups along the way uh, that faba beans can bring into the crop rotation? Well, the whole rotation changed over those 40 years and the issue was a lot of pasture, crop pasture rotation and, and now with some of the newer chemicals and uh, all continuous farming now, uh, tram lining and all that and we can actually sow our beans dry in the middle of April where well, we can never do that before because the ground's got a lot more friable um, and they're just um, some of the new varieties, especially Samira and I think there's a new one coming in now which are a lot more resistance to some of the diseases we got uh, and they're just 
you know, just quoting this farm we're on today, I think we've had 2.7 tonne, 3.2 last year and, and this year, even though it's been very dry and some frost, I think they'll still get a couple of tonne of beans, which is not bad for a legume crop. You're talking about row spacing. How are you using that uh, with Faber beans? And would you say it's been a key factor in optimising your production and returns? Uh, we went to wide rows about uh, five years ago, uh, mainly because we thought we'd give it a try. Initially we were on 900 mils, and now we've dropped back to 700 mils. Um, they seem to get more sunlight in the crop earlier, and those early pods that flower start flower set, and that's where the key to the yield is. And also it's given us the ability to use a hooded sprayer. So when the crops are about 300 mils high, we'll go down and put Roundup down the middle with a hooded sprayer. And then we'll use a fungicide into the crop below in the canopy. And that first fungicide at early flowering seems to be the critical one that seems to really help. Have you had to invest in any respects you know, in that regard to actually support Faber beans here? Uh, we had to make some modifications to the cedar bar uh, because some of the cedars struggle to handle the big beans, which you know I think a lot of the newer ones do handle that well. And because now we've gone to seven hundred mils, we've actually got a special bar just for planting them, which has made it a lot easier. But it was, it was just a second-hand bar that we converted and set up and with bigger hoses on it. Um, so and we just changed the air cedar bins over, so it wasn't an expensive outlay. Are there any challenges that you can talk to us about uh, that you know that growers new to Faber beans might benefit from hearing? Um, talk to your neighbours, talk to the people who are growing the best, um, watch your fungi. You know, it's not necessary to start off on wide rows, but I think eventually they'll go to that. Uh, get your fungicide regime right, uh, and also you know it's critical you watch them for heliophis. You know, heliophis love Faber beans. Um, and if you don't spray them early enough and it gets down in the canopy, sometimes they can be very hard to kill. Um, and they're probably the, the, the key biggest issues with them. So you're saying over 40 years, clearly farming practices uh, have changed too. Where do you see the research uh, into Faber beans perhaps that has changed over that time too? Uh, certainly the, the investment that's been put into the, some of the breeding programs, it's been critical and there's some newer ones coming along because, you know, because they're not a main spring crop private breeders aren't that keen to get into them and I think it's critical for the whole rotation uh, and also a lot of the work that they're doing with some of the different fungicides uh, and inoculants and that to support for that type of thing because because it's critical and I think um, without GRDC funding in these sort of minor crops um, we mightn't see so much research go into them but from my point of view they're critical for the overall benefit of the whole rotation. So your advice to growers? <laughs> Grow a pulse. <laughs> you know, I keep saying if you don't if you haven't got a pulse you're gonna die in your farming system. <laughs> Neil Wandell from the Esperance Port Zone of WA speaking with Deb Bishop. Search GRDC online to find useful resources such as the Faber Bean Fact Sheets and the 2020 WA Crop Sewing Guide. You've been listening to a GRDC podcast. <laughs>